You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hey, Erin. Welcome back to Behind the Bliss. I'm so excited to have you again. I'm so excited to be here. It's like I'm back home. (laughs) What have you been up to recently? Because last time we talked, you were loving playing your ukulele. (laughs) What fun things have you been up to now? (laughs) That's so great. I'm still on a struggle bus of learning it, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting, I have a few songs under my belt. Um, what have I been up to? You know, I have been – so I wrote a book and I think in the time that you and I talked last, I was in like the design parts of it, like seeing the design mm. come to life with it. Um, so did I've been in the thick of that and I feel like now I'm coming out of this hole and of after writing and just being able to go and meet up with friends that maybe I haven't been able to see. Of course, COVID-friendly we're all we're all isolated <laughs> we are all uh in our homes um so that's been nice just as somebody that's single lives by herself in her thoughts and in her mind to be able to connect with my friends face to face has just been really life-giving and healthy for me so doing that and uh yeah and just i'm just trucking along <laughs> living your best life i cannot believe when we were talking, you were in the midst of the designing of all of the fun things we're about to talk about today, and you kept that secret, like, tight. I mean, I I had no idea, and you didn't even <laughs> say anything about it. I feel like if I were in those shoes, I'd just be, like, word vomiting everywhere, like, I'm writing a book, I'm writing a book, I'm writing a book, and, like, I never knew until, hello, here we are talking about it. So fun. <laughs> well, you know, so. Rachel, this is probably, I think... You would identify with this and anybody listening that's ever experienced imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I definitely experienced that in writing the book. And I, even in the design aspect of it, I still was like, my publisher is going to cancel this. You know, like this, they're going to find out I'm a fraud. You know, just the fear of this might not come into fruition. And there's no reason for me to feel that way. God has been so good and showing me how he's using the book and how he used it within me to write it. And my publishers are the most supportive, unbelievable people ever. I'm so grateful. They're like my family. But it's that little – so I kept it locked until I was like, until I can physically see that this is happening, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to share about it. Hey, actually, you know what? I take it back. I probably would actually lean more that way too just because you have the imposter syndrome being like, oh, man, if I say something – it's like actually going to have to happen now. And what if it can't happen, especially with what last year was like, yes, there's a lot that didn't happen that was supposed to happen. Exactly. So I get it. I get that. <laughs> you, yeah. 2020 kind of burned us all. Did. <laughs> but I am so pumped. Can you tell us all about it now? Uh, you have written, just so people know, a book called So Worth Loving, How Discovering Your True Value Changes Everything. And holy moly, whenever I read the title, I was like, okay, well, first you should know, which I think you already do, but I actually have several So Worth Loving shirts. Like, I love So Worth Loving. You do? I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. 
like so but ever before we ever met and like became friends I totally was supporting so worth loving so whenever I read the subtitle about how discovering your true value changes everything I got like full body chills I was like that's mm. exactly what that is about how when we step into our worth and we claim it and we know it and we say yes to it how everything changes and so I'm just so pumped <laughs> I am on fire with you sister on your team tell us about the book where your heart for it came from and honestly like how you got the bravery to even start sharing this message oh man I'm so grateful and when you said you got chills I got chills just now uh you I debated back and forth about what the subtitle should be because there were so many there's so many ways I could go about it and so worth loving while it's a business that I've owned a lifestyle brand I've owned for 10 years it is a lifestyle but apart from me, it's the gospel. It's, it's, it is mm-hmm. truth about who we are. And so it was important for me to make sure that that is communicated in the, in the byline of it and how discovering your true value changes everything. I went through a personal just reckoning of my life. And that was probably five years into me owning So Worth Loving when I went through a divorce. And within the divorce, I, had a lot of things stripped of me, community, um, um, my faith. I I defied God. Um, I was angry at Christians. Uh, That's why I lost – when I lost love, like when I lost community, I became angry at Christians. And I didn't value myself. I jumped into the dating scene quickly because I didn't want to be alone with myself. And so – so worth loving and how discovering your true value changes everything. Man, I I had to understand what it really meant because even though I could tell other people that and see the inherent value that other people have, I can root for my friends that are in toxic relationships and say, you are deserving of something so much more than that relationship. Or wow. I can see friends that are struggling with their career and their purpose and I can say, you are wired with such a skill set to to pursue what you want to do. I can do that for others and I can see that for others. But when it comes to identifying my own worth and my own value and living it out, I wasn't doing after that personal reckoning. And so that it, that it changes everything. It changes everything because when we don't believe it, it changes everything. And when we do believe it, it changes everything. But what kind of change right. are we going to go towards? Oh, wow. Amazing. And so that's yeah. – <laughs> It's beautiful. I, I want to talk about this idea of value because I think oftentimes the decisions, like you're saying, the decisions we make and our behavior show how we value or devalue ourselves. And I want to hear like how do you how do you identify if you value yourself the way we should be valued? Or mm-hmm. if you're if you're acting like you know you're worthy, because I think a lot of times, I'm just gonna say it like the enemy would want to make us think like yeah I I value myself like I think I'm worthy you know like I I know that I deserve love but it's like do you really know it with your head or do you know it with your heart mm. and I think it's hard to like you're saying sit with ourselves sit with our thoughts and have that hard conversation within ourselves to be like actually, I'm not acting like I value myself. And so, yeah, I want to hear like practically, how do you 
measure it, like what barometer do you use? And then we can talk about once we've identified like where we value ourselves, how we move forward. But I want to talk about that. Like (laughs) what's the measuring stick for knowing if we're acting like we're valued or valuing ourselves in the first place? That's a great question. You know, I love what you said. It's like, are we doing it with our head or with our heart? And I did it so, so much with my head. Like that's why I was able to tell other people. And I, I thought, yeah, I value myself. I own a company called So Worth Loving. Like we tell people they are valued all the time. Of course I know how. Like right. <laughs> as, as like prideful as that sounds, it's true. I felt that way. And I think we to a level do think that we we treat ourselves with kindness and patience and grace. And we we we'd like to think that we get to know ourselves, but I don't think we actually do want to get to know ourselves because that's the heart piece. Our heart is made up of hurts from our past, our hearts made up of um, lies that have been told to us that maybe we've not faced, but what's in our heart has transported into our head, which then transports into our actions. And for me, I I, I had to be honest. What did I want? Mm-hmm. What did I want for my life? What kind of relationships did I want? What kind of community did I want? What kind of sister did I want to be? What kind of aunt do I want to be? And when I start thinking through all of those things and when I start pairing it with my actions and with my thought life, they were polar opposites. It was like I'm I'm running in two different directions, which is impossible. <laughs> it's like I'm running to the left for this and I'm running to the right for that. Like it wasn't on the same path. My actions did not at all model it. And I think that's what we have to get really honest. Like – it's uncomfortable and it's scary. But when you ask yourself, what do I desire for my life? And when you ask that, it sounds like, well, then, you know, that might be selfish because then what's God's desire? But, you know, in the book, I talk about desire. Like, what do we think of when we hear the word desire? God has instilled a desire in us because he is in us. And so therefore there is this desire that he has just wired us for on how to love, how to see the world, how to show up and be present for other people, how to love ourselves. But I think sometimes we just allow um, ourselves to drift into circumstances because we desire to be loved instead of knowing that we are already loved. Yeah, it is that exact, like we're saying, the connection to head to heart. And I love how you can like totally get the juxtaposition between like, well, I value being a good wife, (laughs) but then whenever I'm with my husband, I don't treat him kindly. Or, you know, like I value growing into intimacy with the Lord, but I don't give him like enough time to be able to grow in that at all. You know, and so you're able to see like, here's what I practice and here's what I want. And if there's not a parallel between the two, I think that that is a beautiful way to figure out, like, maybe I'm not valuing myself or valuing the things I say I value accordingly to how I desire to value them. Absolutely. Easier said than done, for sure. Oh, it is easier said than done, but it's true. It's, you know, I remember when I was uh, just kind of jumping into a relationship, I, 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 I dated my former husband when I was 17. So I never knew how to – and I got married when I was 21. So I didn't know how to date. So after being divorced, I jumped into the dating scene because I actually – I'd never been alone with myself. I was divorced or I was in a relationship. I was in a relationship for 
13 years. And so I didn't know how to value myself when it came to dating, but I wanted to be loved. So my actions for desiring to be loved looked different than what the res- what the long-term goal would look like, which looked like jumping into a serious relationship really quickly and diving in um, deep into feeling connected to a person, to experiencing in- levels of intimacy that this person should never have been able to experience with me, but I didn't know. And like what I desired versus um, what I desired versus what was healthy for me were two different things because I had never really processed them together and I've never, I was inexperienced with it. And I think sometimes it comes with that, right, Rachel? It's like Mm -hmm. sometimes you are just inexperienced with something until you have an experience and it helps you to grow and you learn from it, but it's painful. But God can be a part of that, the icky stuff that's in our heart that our actions show. God wants to sanctify that. He wants to bring healing to it. He wants to teach us and guide us and mentor us into what that looks like with the with being inexperienced. Yeah. Okay. So I'm hearing you talk and I'm thinking through like, what is the root to all the things that we're talking about right now. And to me, like I keep getting brought back to shame, like this idea of, mm-hmm. well, shame and fear, right? Where it's like, I'm afraid to show up because I might mess up. Or it's the, like, I've shown up before. I completely messed it up. I'm not going back there again. Like the shame, it overwhelms you. And so when we look back on our past choices and mistakes and like what our story entails, it can be hard for us to feel like in its brokenness, I mean, like to fully feel its brokenness, but then to turn around and not let it define us and like know that, okay, that's a fact of my life, but it's not who Mm -hmm. I am. How can we in our value, once we start identifying like, hmm, I need to start valuing myself more, move forward while allowing ourselves to feel mistakes because Mm -hmm. they are hurtful Mm -hmm. and painful, right? Like I'm not saying you made a mistake, brush it off, get up, move on. But I'm also not saying like sit in it so deeply that you cannot move on and you start feeling the shame and then you lose the value. Like Mm -hmm. how practically can we feel both and do both like we've been called to and move forward with the Lord? It's a great question. So I am a seven on the Enneagram and we don't like to sit in pain. It's like – No, you don't. We we, we reframe it all day long. (laughs) That's that's not fun. I know. It's like that is the the, – unfortunate reputation that we have. However, what's beautiful about that, and this is, I think this pertains to any personality type, but what's beautiful about that is sevens go to fives in health, which, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going on an Enneagram kick for a second, but I have a point to this because it's universal. Okay. (laughs) Um, Sevens go to five in health, which is investigation. And so we want to research and understand more. And when I decided to understand more of my pain, I was able to grieve it, feel the consequences of it, own, and then surrender, and then ex- experience the forgiveness that God's already given me. But to be able to walk through the understanding, like the awareness, the understanding, the sitting in it for a minute, because I needed to sit in it because I don't like to sit in it. So I did need to sit in it for a while, feel the consequences. I needed to feel the consequences of my choices. They were painful. I don't ever want to go back there again. I'm not self-punishing myself, but I need to feel the weight 
of the choices because I think when we feel the weight of our choices, that's where true heart change happens. Yeah. It's not sulking. It's not dwelling. It's But it is sitting in it because there's acceptance there. I had to accept that I chose these things. I am that type of person that could literally do this thing that I have judged. Like I have judged people for choices that I have made in the past. Like I remember, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I would say I would never do these things or I would never – and I've done them. And so the moment – I think it's so important for us to sit in it because the moment that we think that we're never going to do that is the moment that we do. So I think sitting in the pain allows you to really accept and own. And then I also think it makes it makes what what Christ has done for us that much more powerful and potent in our life because we might have been disconnected to mm-hmm. it also. Yeah. And knowing that like that full value, it it would prove that that full value doesn't come from what we do or what we don't do because exactly. we can mess it up all day long, but still be just as valuable. Exactly. Exactly. It's, I think it's so cool what you're saying mm-hmm. that uh, it's, it's unnatural for me to want to feel it as well. I'm with you. I'm a three on the Enneagram. So we have that in common. We're like, I don't like to feel things. I just like to do things. <laughs> like get out of my way, stampede my emotions. We're just on a mission. I'll deal with it later. And we never deal. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, uh, projects over emotions and people. And yeah. But <laughs> but when I do have a chance to sit with it, it is a beautiful reckoning for me because I realize like, oh my goodness, like my God is so much bigger than me, one, and two, like so much bigger than the problems I create. But then three, like the most beautiful part of it all is like he desires to clean up my mess. Yeah, He's like, let me show up for you. But until we realize we've made the mess and until we've realized we need help cleaning it up, like we haven't really allowed God into that space the same way. And so feeling, feeling the brokenness and like knowing we need help is yeah. – the best part of in the beginning part of feeling valued yeah. because then when he does show up for us we're like wait you would do that for me and he's like yeah and then you start feeling the value of this king of kings like coming into your world and trying to help you build it back up again yeah so mm. yeah so I, I do want to talk about those practicals for you you were mm. sitting in a broken place and now Maybe you don't do it perfectly. I get it. Like we're all humans. But I would say that I can look up to you in the space of discovering the true worth because, hello, you're able to, to write and bound a book about it. But I want to <laughs> hear from you, like practically for my friends listening that are like, okay, that sounds beautiful and wonderful. And, and I love that idea, but there's absolutely no light at the end of my tunnel. You don't get it. Mm-hmm. How would you encourage them practically that no, there is? Mm, yes. I remember when I kind of hit that rock bottom moment. Maybe I'll take take us to that moment and to share what happened after that time. Yeah. Or, and then like how that practic- – like some practicalities of how to apply it. I remember I was in the bathtub and I don't know if you've ever taken a bath where you like you let your face – like you let like your head sink into the water where your ears get plugged up and you're like 
it's barely your face floating in the water. <laughs> or if you've ever done that as a little girl, you know, you're just like floating there. Sometimes I was it's really say, I don't fit in the bathtub the same way like that. But yeah, when I was a little girl, I do recall. <laughs> do you remember that? You just float there and you're just like, what is it like? Yes. I'm like in the ocean, but I'm not. <laughs> um, I remember when I well, – there was one day where I was just – I had just been broken up by a guy. I was in debt. Um, so, you know, I had – on my resume, I had – $80,000 I mean if we're talking about performance right and like you know having to do things right or wrong uh and how that does not matter to God um what was on my list of things I have done wrong so far was like a divorce $80,000 of debt a heart my heart was broken a loss of community loss of reputation um any sort of place that I found myself like sense of self-worth was stripped of me and I was floating in the bathtub and I just remember thinking I just don't want to be here like I don't I I didn't have suicidal ideation I just didn't want to exist though I just felt like a burden to everybody I felt like my life was such a mess and I felt like it was such a huge mountain to climb to get over the things that I have endured the injustices that I've experienced um, the choices that I have made with the consequences that came from them it was like everything was just felt too big to climb up to the mountaintop like I would just I just and I just felt like I was a burden I didn't want to be there and I just remember asking God like God like why did this happen why did x happen why did y happen why did z happen and I was just angry at him and I was I was angry at my circumstances and because of that I turned my anger towards him and I used in some ways and I write about it um I was, but that's where I was. And so somebody that would to tell me like, Erin, you can't be angry at God. But I was. So what do I do with that feeling? Like I right. was that yeah. way, you know? Like Very real. Yeah. Right? It's like, but I am. So what do I do with that? Like, okay, I'm not supposed to feel this way, but I do. And so either I suppress it and I, I, I use vices or other things to make me feel better about it. But I'm still not facing the feeling. So I had to face the feeling and I, it was anger for me. And so – I went – I just sat there in that moment. I just said, God, I'm angry at you. I don't know where you were in these times that I experienced such pain. I don't know where you – I don't know where you went. Like where did you go? Like you're supposed to be my protector. You're supposed to guard. You, 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 you're able to, to turn water into wine. Why is my life this way? You know, like why is this this way? You've done so many miracles and – I think about Mary Magdalene and the seven spirits and you cleaned her of all of them and redeemed her life. Here I am, a mess. Where are you? And it was being really honest about my feelings was one of the first practical things to do. Being honest with where you feel right now in your relationship with God and with people around you. And my anger is what I write about. My anger was an invitation for him to come in. And I think sometimes we think that our invitation needs to look like joy, needs to look like repentance. Uh, our invitation needs to look a certain way, but mine was anger. And he met me and it was the most um, profound experiences I've ever um, had with the Lord. It was a pressing of the Holy Spirit of him. Like almost it was like a I was being held by his comfort, which is so abstract, but I think that's who he is. It's like any time you hear something abstract or just wild about God, it's because he's God. Like it's not – you can't – it's not 
uh, something we can sometimes tangibly express or, or articulate. Uh, he, but he, he met me in my anger, and that felt like an instant peace. It was a while. I, I, I was stubborn. I was angry. I was yelling. I was snot crying in this bathtub, and he met me with a profound peace. Nothing changed in my life. My relationship status didn't change. My community didn't change. My jobs didn't change. Nothing changed in that moment, but peace did. And so being honest with your feelings with the Lord, he will bring us peace if we are honest and and invite him in because he's always been there. He was always there with me, but I just never invited him in. I just did my thing, performed well. Sometimes I would I would forget that he's around, still do my own thing. Then every now and then bring him back in. He was always there. So after that, of course, my life didn't change in the moment that I experienced peace. You know, I was still dealing with the mountain. So one of the things that I – one of the practical things that I did was I went to my mirror and I took a dry erase marker and I wrote every thought that I had believed about myself. And I wrote them on the mirror. Anything that has been spoken over me, any sadness that I feel, any purposelessness that I felt, any hopelessness that I felt, I just wrote it all on the mirror. I wrote it all there because it's the thing that I actually see inside of myself that I'm not wanting to bring to light. But scripture talks about how it's so so consistent in scripture about how light outshines darkness every time. And so I wanted to bring everything that was dark inside of me out into the light. And I put it on the mirror and I looked at it and I prayed over it. I said, God, I know that this is not true about me. I'm going to believe, even if it's hard for me to believe it, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say this thought because our our, our thoughts become our actions. What is it? Our actions. Our thoughts become our beliefs and our beliefs become our actions. Well, my thoughts were my beliefs and my beliefs – were showing up in my actions. So I had to retrain my thought life. So I had to to rebuke the things that I have been thinking, say, I'm going to change the way that I think. And it has been a battle of my mind. And I don't think that we ever arrive. In fact, I think that we learn more about our thoughts over time when we are experiencing new circumstances. But for mine, it was a kind of a a a destruction or a – it was a – for mine, it was – an end of a life for me in regards to my past life. And my thought life needed to go too because it looked and it was really dark. So that's another tangible way um, to apply, starting to understand your value and seeing yourself as worthy of love. This is so brilliant because I have never heard it that way that we oftentimes think that the invitation for God to come into our situation has to look joyful and happy and full of celebration. Like, God, like I would want you to be a part of this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Even when our situations are bad, we feel like we have to (laughs) clean it up or come up with some kind of outline to like present, (laughs) to invite him into whatever it is. And it reminds me of Hebrews 4, 16, when it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And mm-hmm. it doesn't say let us approach God's throne of grace with joy or let mm-hmm. us approach his grace with celebration or with everything put together. It just says confidence. Mm-hmm. And if that confidence is anger and you're like, I'm pretty confident I'm I'm angry right now, <laughs> then like let that be your confidence. 
Greed be like, oh, I'm pretty confident I'm hopeless. And it's like, but I'm, but I'm also confident that you can do something about it. And that's why I'm approaching you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can only imagine like uh, one day when I'm a mom and my kid coming to me confidently and being like, mom, I messed up. Mm-hmm. Rather than like trying to hide it or clean it up and me finding it later. I'm like, I just can imagine like the pride I would have my kid to be able to be so bold in the relationship they have with me, to be honest, mm. is I feel like the most honoring thing, right? So I'm like, yes. well, then why don't we do that with our Heavenly Father? At least why do I not do it with my Heavenly Father? Why am I so, oh, like I cringe more than I get excited to approach him with my mess when all he wants to do mm. is help me clean it up. So I love that. And then, man, the second practical about just calling it for what it is. Being like, this is how I feel. Like, will you do something with that little T truth? Will you replace mm-hmm. it with the big T truth? Mm-hmm. He wants to and he will. Erin, mm-hmm. this is so good. Oh. <laughs> so profound. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I'm just, I love that you brought Hebrews into it because it's, it, it's, it is, it's that confidence. You can be confident in something and it, you know, somebody could say that's a right or wrong feeling, but you're confident in it and he's so ready for that. He's not mm-hmm. insecure. In fact, he is so confident and steady and 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 truthful and the source of love that we can come confident in our mess. It's I think in Psalm 116, depending on the um interpretation that you find, uh, but it's uh, talks about how God guards the simple-hearted. And when you look up simple-hearted in the dictionary, simple-hearted is honest. And I think God just loves honesty because it develops intimacy. I mean, we experience that with our friendships. It's like, why won't she just tell me blah, blah, blah? It's like, because we crave honesty. We just want to know. We just, we want to be yeah. connected. You know, it's like, you know, when we find out a spouse has been keeping a secret, we're destroyed because we want to know what's going on in their life. And I think about that with the Lord. He's like, I just want you to be honest with me because we can do it together. Like, just be honest. I will guard you. I will protect you. I, I, You are my child. Just be confident in what you're honest about, even if you're ashamed of it. I I wore the shame already. Let me mm-hmm. handle that. And and so much, we, we just forget that that's just how radical and wild his love is for us. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think like, anytime I get in those places, I, I just – I always have this little sneaking like feeling that he's saying, Rachel, give it back. Like, give mm-hmm. it back to me. It's not yours. Can I have back what's mine? Like, I paid for that. I need it back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're right. And so I have to remember, like, why am I holding this? And I'm so angry it's in my hands when in reality, like, it's not mine to hold. And mm-hmm. yeah, because he paid a price for it. And so we just need to give him back what's his and take what's ours, which is value and being worthy of love to the fullest extent, like feeling it, like we're saying that 18 inch connection between the head and heart. And, and then again, like turning around and acting like it, which is again, far easier said than done. And I think that um, those moments of when we feel like it's cyclical and we're like, man, I thought I, I thought I defeated this. Like I, I thought we got over this. Cause I'm sure Aaron, you found yourself in that position. Like I had the bathtub moment. Why do I feel like this again? Yeah. It's like my debt's still here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like still in the circumstance. But again, it's because God's like, because you need more peace. I I, I want to give more to you. Like, come back to me. Yes. And 
we treat him like a genie. Like it's like, okay, I experienced this. So therefore now this will be okay. And it's, it goes to this performance thing again. And instead of a relationship and within relationships, we are sanctified, right? We're more, we're, we are hard, like the things that are in our heart are constantly being carved out. Like relationships do that. Like, uh, you know, when you, when you, when you marry somebody or when you're dating somebody that challenges you and they are for you, but they are a reflection back to some of the things that you're not so proud of. Um, yeah. But they show that they keep showing up and they love you and you feel so undeserving of that. It's like, can you imagine that exponentially if we just saw God that way instead of God trying to just fix things for us? It's like he wants that relationship with us. That's part of it. You know, it's like the next day after that bathtub and then after the mirror, it's like it was still a battle, still a battle. Every day is a battle for me. Every day it's a battle for you. Every day it's a battle for somebody listening. But we are worthy of that battle and God's already fought it. He's already fought it. It's just learning how to be in relationship with him as we're in it. Yeah. Mm. And that is behind the bliss. <laughs> I love conversations like this because I, <laughs> we always say like, I hope you feel met in your mess. And it's true. It's like, I'm not the only person going through this. Mm. Not the only person with hot, angry tears. I'm not the only person that's had a bathtub moment. <laughs> it's like, we've, girl, we've been there. We get it and welcome. And like that is just the journey of walking life with Christ is it's got to be bigger than us. And sometimes it'll have to feel a lot bigger than us so that we have to turn to something bigger than us. And what a be, like we said earlier, what a reckoning, but it's, I mean, we walk out, I feel like always more put together than how we walk in. We just have to be bold enough to walk in and approach the throne. And again, like if you are, listening, nodding your head to this whole conversation and just feel like you're gleaning a lot from my friend Erin, <laughs> I would highly recommend you go and grab her book, So Worth Loving, because it is chock full with all of this plus more in-depth conversation just straight to your heart. So Erin, will you shamelessly plug where they can find it, where they can find you, your fun ukulele videos, all the things. <laughs> Absolutely. If you go to erineddy.com slash book, you can find my book there or soworthloving.com slash book. We're on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the bookstores. Um, you can find it there. And then yeah, you can follow at so worth loving on Instagram and me at Erin Eddy, E-R-Y-N-E-D-D-Y. And uh, it's called So Worth Loving. How discovering your true value changes everything. And you know, if if you're kind of like, you know, I don't know if I really struggle with my value. I'm sure you have a girlfriend that you're thinking of that does. And I'm sure yeah. you're thinking of somebody that's going through it. And if you're not ready to think through that path or if you're not ready to think down that road for yourself, but you know somebody that is, it's, I hope that this book is just – it's a formal journal of my thoughts and my questions and just giving a space for you to have permission to feel and know that God will sit there with you as you feel him. Incredible. Incredible. And I'm totally going to post or I'm at least going to send you the picture of me in my So Worth Loving shirt. Yes. I think it was taken in like 2016, like a hot second ago, but it was the, it was a really cool white one with the black writing and it looks like um, script font. Uh-huh. That's a Cal Barteski uh, design. She's an artist out of Canada and she is the she was the frontliner of 
of creating the brushstroke illustration design that you have. She's amazing. I love that that's the one you have. <laughs> that is. I know. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, we're just going to link all the fun things in our show notes so they can follow along with you. Grab the book. Check out So Worth Loving. But I do need to hear before we head out, what are you loving these days that you have to share with our friends? Mm, okay. What am I loving these days? Oh, man. I, sometimes I feel like I'm a boring person. I <laughs> <It's> not. <laughs> Write that on your mirror and dry erase marker and pray over that because I, know, I can tell I you that is not the truth. Um, what about, you know, I, so I live in a neighborhood that has tons of nature and what I love to do is go for nature walks and I'll just like, and it, it's like, we live in Georgia. I live in Georgia. So I say we, me and my plants live in Georgia. And so <laughs> I uh, I love to go for walks and just put my headphones in and just like connect with the Lord in nature. And sometimes I, I listen to worship music and I take, take them out. So that's like something I know that sounds like super like, oh, wow, that's like so holy. Good for you. Um, But I do do that. But I also just bought um, a new Polaroid camera on the other end that I'm like loving oh. taking pictures of. And so I'm using that little sucker and I like it. And let's see, what else am I? What else? I'm looking around my house to see what else I love these days. I just bought a 300-piece uh, puzzle that I'm going to be putting together with a friend that's visiting me um, this weekend. And I'm pretty excited about that. I'm loving that. <laughs> see, now I can get down with a 300-piece puzzle. It's like, okay, I love puzzles. And my brother for Christmas last year thought it would be hilarious to get me a 1,000-piece gradient puzzle. So it goes from like orange to yellow (laughs) and it's just gradient. And I was like, I hate you. (laughs) Why would you do this to me? Because my threeness kicks in and I'm like, I have to complete, must complete. And then you're seven. You'd probably be like, forget it. Oh, forget it. No, I Googled or not. I didn't Google. I went on Amazon and put easy puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to send you, I don't know if you have one, but there are these puzzle mats you can do puzzles on so that if you need to put it away, you can roll it up without losing pieces or like having to crumble apart your puzzle. Oh yeah, go. I'll send you the link. Send it to me. I need that. Yes. Gosh, friend, this is always so good. I always look forward to spending time with you. And I'm so happy that my friends got to hear from you again. And I just adore you. You're the best. Thank you so much, Rachel, for having me. This is so wonderful. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.